Hey guys, welcome to Jeff Talk. It's me, Jeffrey Wu, and I'll be talking to you about what I've found thought-provoking and useful in the areas of human performance, metabolism and nutrition, and culture and philosophy. These topics will often cover recent news and developments, so use this series as a resource for being in the know. In this episode, we'll go over the following three topics. One, the San Francisco banning of e-cigarettes, such as the popular Juul. Two, the Pentagon eyeing the ketogenic diet for the military. And three, the impact metformin has on exercise and longevity. Let's get started. San Francisco bans e-cigs. Earlier this week, San Francisco Board of Supervisors unanimously voted to ban e-cigarettes in my home, San Francisco. SF will be the first city in the USA to do so. San Francisco has been the mecca of the Haight-Ashbury Summer of Love hippies, and my city has been at the forefront of the legalization of marijuana and the decriminalization of drug use. It now feels ironic that San Francisco is now at the forefront of banning e-cigarettes. In the game of which one is unlike the others, it's really not obvious that amongst alcohol, chewing tobacco, marijuana, tobacco cigarettes, edible marijuana, and e-cigarettes, that you'd pick e-cigarettes as the one with the highest danger and harm potential. Professor Emeritus Ken Warner at the University of Michigan and an expert on tobacco harm says, there's a wide consensus among experts that e-cigarettes were less harmful than conventional ones and suggest that e-cigarettes appear to be contributing to the strong declines in the use of conventional cigarettes. Here's a quote. We have this very big increase in quitting in the United States. We need to keep our eye on the prize, which is the reduction in cigarette smoking. That's what's killing people. UCSF medicine professor Neil L. Benowitz, one of the world's leading experts on nicotine, says the following about the decision. It's well-intentioned, but the people who voted on it really didn't hear the full story. So it's not just me here raising my eyebrows. An informal poll of my San Francisco friends generally agree with me that vaping is not really a top priority issue and that city officials should focus on things like homelessness, high cost of living, the prevalence of mental illness, and the low-level street crime. That said, I do recognize that the rapid rise in popularity of vaping and the use of vapes by children is concerning. Statistics say that upwards of 20% of high schoolers use e-cigarettes like Juul. Now, this is unambiguously bad. We don't want our developing children's brains addicted or dependent on any substance. The question for me is not that is underage vaping bad, it's clearly better to err on the side of safety and conclude that underage vaping is bad. The question for me is, what policy do we implement to address it? Now, I'm simple and straightforward when it comes to policy and regulation. My philosophy is that regulation in a category must be consistent and evenly applied. And we already have laws banning underage use. We should simply support and enforce existing laws, just like we already have laws against underage drinking, underage marijuana, and underage cigarettes, and underage use of chewing tobacco. These laws mostly seem to work. Now let's apply the same law and the same level of enforcement for all of the above to e-cigs. A blanket vape ban feels like an overly rash, politicized, and overly emotional way of doing policy making. The Pentagon eyes the keto diet. Pentagon officials go on the record talking about the potential value of ketosis for military applications. Now I can spend an hour talking about the subject, but for this Jeff Talk topic, I'll focus more on recent public statements from the Pentagon and a new study on the ketogenic diet on military-affiliated study population, and less about the potential applications of ketosis, exogenous ketones, or ketones for military use. 
In April 2019, an Ohio State University study led by Jeff Volek followed 29 people, mostly members of the campus ROTC, and had roughly half of them follow the keto diet. The study found that the 15 participants on the diet were able to maintain ketosis for 12 weeks by eating just 30 to 50 grams of carbohydrates each day. Those participants lost an average of 17 pounds and 5% of their body fat, while those in the control group which approximately ate 40% of their calories from carbohydrate, experienced little change to their bodies. While the study was small in scale and did not prove whether the diet could actually help in certain combat scenarios, Volek argues that this pilot study may be helpful for providing an edge for the US military. But for me, I say, forget about the edge here. A 2018 RAND report reported that 66% of active duty service members are overweight or obese. One third of young people today are too fat to enlist. At this rate, we don't even have people fit enough to serve, let alone find a combat edge or advantage. But as many of our listeners already know, being in ketosis could be a metabolically advantageous state. Director of Science and Technology at the US Special Operations Command, Lisa Sanders, at a recent defense industry conference said, one of the effects of truly being in ketosis is that it changes the way your body handles oxygen deprivation so you can actually stay underwater at deeper depths for longer periods of time and not go into oxygen seizures. In a classic 1995 study from Kieran Clark and Richard Veach, they found that adding ketones as a metabolic fuel increases the efficiency of working rat heart. That means we get more work at a constant O2 usage level. But Director Sanders raises an interesting ethical and policy point. The problem is I don't have the authority to tell people, swimmers, submariners, etc., that they're going to get themselves in ketosis so they can stay in the water longer. That's an authority question, not a technology question. I find it interesting that military policy and regulation allows commanders to assign weapons, vehicles, and train to operate these equipments for optimal soldier readiness and lethality. Policy allows commanders to set physical performance standards and weed out soldiers with substance or drug abuse problems. However, Apparently, ordering specific nutritional consumption patterns is currently out of policy and out of scope. It's not really obvious to me that specifying diet crosses some new ethical boundary, especially if it's for a specific mission purpose. One academic that disagrees with me is Paul Zare, a biomedical researcher from University of Victoria. He says that this smacks of the removal of free will from one of the most basic biological functions, eating and consuming energy. I'm sorry, but I don't really understand his point. It seems to come from a place of empathy, which I get, but we're talking about the military, which is a regimented, disciplined organization. And unfortunately, that means that you have some limitation of free will. You don't get to leave the base whenever you want. You don't get to stay in bed late if you're feeling lazy. You don't get to tell the bad guys that you're not feeling today. Maybe the best way to get back home safely and to also bring home your brothers and sisters in arms back home safely is that you need to restrict some carbohydrates so you can be more mission effective. Perhaps the solution here is more bottoms-up education. Perhaps it's all about providing education so the soldiers and operators themselves can test different nutritional strategies and make a decision for themselves in their unique operational contexts. If you're curious about the science behind the potential applications of ketosis or ketone esters for performance, check out some of our other videos on the subject. Metformin and exercise. The New York Times recently published an article titled Anti-Aging Pill, Think Twice, which covered a December 2018 study on how metformin interacts with aerobic exercise training in older adults. Now, metformin is an effective and widely used type 2 diabetes drug, 
and it's made the World Health Organization list of essential medicines. It's getting a lot of recent hype as an anti-aging drug. Well, how does that work? That's somewhat of an open science question as metformin's mechanisms of actions are not fully understood or characterized. If there's interest in this topic, I can do a deep dive in metformin. Just leave a comment below. But for the purposes of this video, I'll keep it short. The primary mechanisms of how metformin works at a couple levels. At the molecular level, metformin inhibits mitochondrial respiration at complex one. This reduces and disrupts ATP production, which subsequently causes cellular stress and elevates AMP to ATP ratio. And this ultimately activates AMPK. A lot of terms here, I know, but AMPK, as well as mTOR and insulin are three important nutrient sensing pathways. AMPK, that's the one to remember for metformin. Here's what metformin does at a physiological level. It reduces hepatic gluconeogenesis or liver glucose production and activates more glucose consumption. This overall means less blood sugar and lower blood sugar means less insulin. Excitement here really kicked off when some retrospective observational studies showed that metformin-treated diabetic patients had survival rates similar and in some cohorts better than matched non-diabetic control group. This might make sense because AMPK activation, lower blood sugar, lower insulin, all fire off longevity pathways. So why think twice here? Well, a recent study of older adults, average age 62, were put on aerobic exercise training for 12 weeks. That's three sessions of 45 minutes of cardio a week. Of course, fitness markers like VO2 max, blood sugar, and skeletal muscle mitochondrial respiration improved with that training. However, the metformin group only gained about half as much endurance as the placebo group. Also, the improvements of insulin sensitivity from exercise was gone from metformin. Mitochondrial respiration rose by 25%, but no significant change happened with the metformin group. So what do I take away from this? There's plenty of ways to critique the study and nitpick here and there, but this is a valuable data point. The fact is that it's simply very hard to get a free lunch with longevity and performance. When I looked at metformin about four years ago for personal longevity use case, I was turned off on some of the data suggesting that metformin reduces testosterone. As a relatively young, healthy man, the risk-reward ratio, given that I have good blood glucose control and good insulin sensitivity from my fasting, eating a ketogenic diet, exercise, that trade-off didn't make sense for me at the time. But do I think that metformin has value? Yes, it absolutely does, and I think it's promising. However, this data on exercise and metformin interfering with each other adds a valuable data point of what I frequently advocate. One has to be nuanced and thoughtful about building a personal longevity and performance protocol. It's very rare that any single biological intervention is a one-shot wonder that works for everyone without nuance. I already know that some longevity users of metformin are already tweaking their protocols to use metformin at night, away from exercise, or using it on their rest days. Here's what I like to see done. I love to see a study run comparing a ketogenic diet and fasting versus metformin, and also a ketogenic diet, fasting, and metformin versus ketogenic diet and fasting alone. The ketogenic diet and fasting activates AMPK, but also reduces mTOR and insulin. So this study would really tease out any added benefit of metformin beyond the blood glucose and insulin control. I would also love to more deeply understand exercise versus metformin. It'd also be very fun to compare ketone ester versus metformin. 
as we all know, ketone ester also acutely reduces glucose. So a lot of interesting parallels on maybe ketone esters as a longevity tonic. Lots of science to be done here. These are all free PhD thesis ideas. Well, this wraps up this episode of Jeff Talk. If you've enjoyed this video or have any questions, please let me know by commenting below and hitting that thumbs up button. To ensure that you don't miss out on any of these videos, hit that red bell button to be notified when we post. Keep up the self-experimentation, eat real food, and strive to be the best human you can be. Till next time.